0: For some of you, hearing the idea you must be born again, to not only see but enter the kingdom of heaven, you just heard that for the first time, okay? And you're thinking, you know, what does that mean? And and that's totally understandable. For others, we have heard those ideas and those phrases hundreds of times, right? But even if like, you heard that for the first time, or if you've heard that hundreds of times, you can sense that the exchange that Jesus has with this individual by the name of Nicodemus is super important. I mean, this guy is a ruler. This guy is a leader, in other words, in his generation. He's a fellow Jew, okay? He, he actually is a Pharisee, which means he is super devoted to the Hebrew Scriptures like he's a literalist, but also he's committed to the oral tradition that has accompanied the Jews throughout the centuries, giving commentary to the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. He's very committed to the Word of God, okay? And he's, as I mentioned, he's a ruler. So he's one of 70 individuals or the chief rulers in Israel, administrating the affairs of Israel. Uh, there are others who are on this board, if you will. They're the aristocrats, the materialists of the day, Sadducees. He happens to be a Pharisee. You know, and we just see this exchange. He comes to Jesus. He's like, you know, he calls him rabbi, which is hugely respect, a respectful term, teacher. You know, I mean, you must be from God. The signs that you're doing, it's like, you are super important. Jesus responds, listen, unless you're born again, you're neither going to see nor enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like, whoa, what does that mean? It must be important. (laughs) And then he just goes on. I'll be very clear with you, Nicodemus. You know, I'm going to paraphrase. There's biological DNA. You're a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Awesome. You're a Jew. Awesome. Okay, biological DNA, great. But I'm telling you, the kingdom that you're looking for and the king, the Messiah that's going to rule in this kingdom, unless you're born of the spirit, whole other DNA, like a reboot, new birth, new identity with God by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. Now, you know, we read that and it's like, if, whether you hear it for the first time, you heard it billions of times, you know this exchange is heavy, it's significant, it, it means something big, Right? right? How many of you are tracking with that? You kind of sense it, right? Okay, good. Now watch this. There's two ways, or two sides, I should say, to this coin to really get the meaning of this and understand the significance. And we've already touched on one side, and that it's important that we understand who Jesus is actually speaking to, a man by the name of Nicodemus, A ruler, we've already spoken of that, member of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee committed to the Hebrew scriptures and the oral traditions of Judaism. He believes in the divine origin of the nation of Israel. This is a guy who actually believes it. It's not superstition. He believes God called a guy by the name of Abram, who later became Abraham, to the land of Canaan. God has given this piece of real estate to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God is going to reveal himself to this people known as Israel, that God is going to bless the entire world through Israel, specifically in Messiah, the Son of Israel, the King of Israel, and that ultimately the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of Almighty God and ultimately the, the earth will worship the Lord God of Israel. This is a guy who believes those things. This is a guy who believes actually the Messiah will reconstitute the Davidic line and ultimately a kingdom that has no end. And yet Jesus says to this guy, he's like talking to an ascetic today. He says to him, I'm just, look, Nicodemus, okay, fellow Jew here, Jesus, Messiah, a Jew, you know, fellow, okay, I just want to tell you something. If you want to see and enter the kingdom of heaven, Even though you're a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, awesome. Specific purpose and calling in your life, awesome. You must be born, can someone tell me, again. Whoa, that's powerful. As you take into account who he's talking to. It's beautiful. The other side of the coin is it tells us that while God created us, now he wants to recreate us with different DNA. And that DNA is divine nature actually indwelling you and me, telling us that the essence of God's will is relationship with us and that the deepest thirst in our life is actually relationship with him. Now, we know that this same Nicodemus would be born again. He would become a follower of Jesus, and we know this because later in John chapter 19, verse 38 through 42, it was this very Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, aristocrat, there in Jerusalem, a very wealthy man who would be the two who would come to Calvary, which means the hill, there in Jerusalem for which Jesus was crucified, and they would take our precious Lord's hands and feet you know, that had been pinned to that cross off the cross. Nicodemus would show up and associate with Jesus at at like the most critical time in his life, the Lamb of God who's taking away the sins of the world. And he would take the Lord's broken body from that cross and prepare it for burial. Look, every genuine Christian has also experienced what Nicodemus has experienced, or experienced himself, which is every genuine believer has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, born again, The Bible says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Okay, this is a metaphor. We've been adopted into into the family of God where, where where the heavenly father becomes our Abba. So I have assurance being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now I have relationship with the almighty, the heavenly father as my Abba father. Now, As we turn back to Ephesians chapter five, check this out. Now the Lord wants us actually to be filled with the Spirit. And there's a difference between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit or being born again. That's the miracle of the moment. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, please look with me here in Ephesians chapter five, and we read it there in verse uh, 18, when he says, be filled filled with the spirit well that's something a little different than just being indwelt by the holy spirit which is really important the miracle of the moment being filled with the spirit is a process that the lord wants to take place in our life so here's what we're going to do this is super important i want our church family to be crystal clear as much as we can the time frame we have to be so clear on, on what it means to be filled with the holy spirit and then how to be filled with the holy spirit so, I've given you some notes, and you know, usually we project a bunch of stuff and fill in answers and stuff. So, I've given you some notes. I don't know if you want to track with me on this and then write some further notes, um, aside the main points. But I first want to identify five facts about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you guys, is a command. That's what we have there in your notes. It's a command, which means it's a divine, authoritative directive. So God has like given us a command. He's given us this this directive that he wants us to respond to. And and if a command by nature is purposed to evoke obedience, it's like, I just need to respond to that. Okay? Okay. By nature calls for obedience this is a command Now, here's the thing some of us we, we bristle a little bit at the idea of a command because in our culture if you think about it i mean rarely are we commanded i mean it's interesting i mean and, you know thank god for police officers gonna hear an amen to that I mean, it's like if they command you to do something you ought to do it you know They represent the law, they're out to protect us, protect society, protect our cities, and so forth and so on, but it's like rare, actually, to be, to to receive a command, you're to do this, and the idea is, I'm not going to explain it even, I want you just to do it, obey and respond. I mean, a parent is to give directives to their children, they are to obey, nothing wrong with a little explanation too, maybe afterwards, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But in our culture, this idea that, you know, there's a command and I am to obey, it's like, no, I want it explained to me first, and then I'll make a decision on my own whether or not I want to follow this. I I went back and visited my high school coach a a long time ago, and he said, Greg, things majorly changed around 85, 86, 87 This idea that you give a kid a directive or a command to do something on the football field, it's just like you had, it it just changed. Kids want to know why, explain it to me, then maybe I will buy into it. It's just rare, this idea of being commanded or a command, you know, in our culture, in our life. I was with our firstborn son, grandson, Greg Denham III, this last week, I was telling you earlier, and I had such a great time with him, I loved him so much, um, Which, by the way, he told me, Papa—that's what he calls me, Papa, Papa. He said, "I want to tell people about Jesus so they're not scared." You know, that's what I think. I'm going to write that down. What a great line! You know, but every morning we would go to Starbucks. Papa had to have his Starbucks. So, all right, so I get him in the car. We're driving down to Fashion Island. We're having the greatest conversations about this and that and things. And one of the things we're talking about is love. I said, "Greg, you're the big brother." And now you have another little brother. And you're an awesome big brother. And it's like, you know what, Greg? You know what greatness is in love? Love protects. Anyways, I was just trying to talk to him about different stuff. A little bit later, we were out having something to eat. And I, I needed to give him a command. Because he was climbing up on something. Oh my goodness, I could just see it. If he, if he lost balance, it would have been horrible. Hit and said all this stuff. So I was like, Greg, get down right now. You know, June, come in. In other words, obey. It's like I have no time to give you an explanation. And so he did. And then I said, come here for a second. I'll put him in my arms. I said, remember we talked about love. Love does what? He said, love protects. Yeah, and, and I love you. And that's why I told you to get down, Greg. So I gave him a little explanation. Okay, bear with me. The Lord commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, we don't have the explanation yet. But by the time we end this morning's message, you're going to be thinking, oh man, this is a killer command. We need to be being filled with the Spirit every single day. What a great command. I guarantee you'll get there. Number two, being filled with the Spirit is likened to sails awakened by the wind, fully operational and at full strength. It's there in your notes. I'm talking about like five facts about being filled with the Spirit. The reason I say this is because the word translated filled in the Greek is plural, which means to make something full or complete. So just understand this is a command. In the original language, it's like get the idea of sales fully awakened and in full strength and fully operational, okay? Number three, being filled needs to take place on a daily basis, This is not a one-time deal. In fact, the original language reads basically, be being filled with the Spirit. And here's where we see an important distinction. Please hear this. The moment that you come to Jesus Christ, as we may mention earlier, it's the miracle of the moment. It's like you have all of Jesus. You have his love. You have his favor. (laughs) You know, you're a citizen of the kingdom. I mean, you're locked in. You have every spiritual blessing you'll ever ever be given. It's just in Christ. It's like being given a billion times a billion dollars. It's yours. It's been given to you. Now, there's a process that you begin. It's a process of growing more like Christ, process of growing more in understanding the love of God so they can be a greater receiver of it. And this has so much to do actually with being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, pause here. We're talking about five facts about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to understand this really clearly. It's a command. Original language, sales, awakening, full strength. Okay, in the, the, the construction of the wording, it's like be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, every one of us can understand basically those ideas. But I know you are wanting more to like wrap your mind around it. So here's an important transition. This is super important, okay? And that is, please look at number four point. Being filled with the Spirit is actually having the Spirit shine the truth of the person and the work of Jesus afresh to our hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit Does so look up here? Okay, this is the best illustration I have ever heard to capture the idea of what's being communicated. I believe this. Like, think of your heart, which is your intellectual life, emotional life, and your volitional life. You know, command central to your being. Think of it like a theater. When you go into a theater, and let's imagine there's a screen here. Um, and you have projection, you know, which would be behind you, it's projecting images and we're enjoying this narrative and this story. What the Holy Spirit does in our life is he afresh projects, let's say, for as an example, projects the, the greatest wonders and beauties and, and truths of who the Lord is to our hearts on a daily basis. It's like he runs a movie. He, it's like we see, oh my goodness, look at the Father. He is the most awesome Father could ever be. Look at Jesus, his redemptive love. Look at the relationship that I have with him. I mean, I my mean, goodness, he, he, he loves me, and, it, and it's not abstract. It's always fundamental and concrete. It's always provisional. It's, it's always something substantive. It's like the Holy Spirit is, is the medium of by, by way of projecting the truth of who the Lord is and, uh, and who the Father is and who the Lord Jesus is afresh to our hearts, that needs to take place on a daily basis. Where it's like, you know, my Christianity isn't like this old, funky, you know, movie going on, and it's, it's not clear shapes, and it's, it's, it's not in Technicolor or 3D or stuff. It's, it's really vibrant. It's just like, oh, man, look at the. Oh. I just thank the Lord for who he is. I'm so glad I'm a king's kid. Kind of hear an amen to that. You know, it's like the Holy Spirit actually is kind of mediates the fullness of God and Christ to our hearts. So you can better understand why it's critical to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to make sure the projector is like on, if you will you got to make sure it's like he is bringing the truth afresh to our hearts of who we are in Jesus, who our Father is, who, who Jesus is, past, present, and future. Technically, and we talked about this last week, technically the Holy Spirit mediates the fullness of God and Christ to believers and he is powerfully at work transforming believers both individually and as a church family into the likeness of Christ. look, Go back. I want you to see this. We're going to look at it twice. Go back to Ephesians chapter one. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter one. Keep that in mind about this projection. Keep in mind like a movie theater and stuff and, and images and a narrative, a story, beauty, beautiful realities there on the screen. If you go back to Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. Paul is writing, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being, what's the next word, you guys? Enlightened. It's like, you know, This whole thing about the movie thing or projection, that's an illustration, okay? It's like, okay, it's like the projector is on. And it's like the Holy Spirit is like bringing in technicolor and beauty and clarity. The awesomeness of our Heavenly Father. How big His muscles are. It's like, another conversation I'm going to say with my grandkid, grandchild, excuse me, is um, we were talking about we were, just real quick, we were talking about his brother being born and he ended up asking me, <laughs> he said, Papa, he said, He said, were you, because I was, you know, I was telling him I was there when you were born and your brother, you know, was born and stuff like that and, and, all this, and, 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 you, and I was your daddy's daddy and stuff and then he asked me, he said, Papa, were you born at one time too? And it's like, Yeah, I mean, I'm not like father time, you know what I mean? It's like, but anyways, um, oh golly, I'm so sorry. I can't remember why I even mentioned this, but it's like, okay, yeah, I could just see his eyes kind of like, that's weird, man. Even my papa's born too, which means he was a little guy at one time, right? Okay, so I know what I'm trying to say is the Holy Spirit like opens our eyes. Can I ask you, I mean, do you not experience as a believer your eyes being opened all the more. It's like one thing to know of Jesus versus one another thing to experience Jesus. It's one thing to know of his love, it's another thing to really know his love. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's a beautiful beautiful reality. So he says, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You may turn back to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, well, it's the Holy Spirit, clearly. That's bringing afresh who the Lord is to our hearts. That's that's one of the reasons why it's a command to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fifth fact is being filled with the Spirit brings actually genuine comfort, courage, and joy. We've talked about this many times, but you see, this is in contrast. If you look at verse 18, in contrast to being buzzed or intoxicated, you know, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, which just means waste, no cumulative value whatsoever. Look, there's a lot of people who get buzzed, a lot of people who self-medicate and and, and there's a lot of burdens and, and, and trials and difficulties in life. Life's not easy. I, uh, um, as as. as, as as many people who are just, you know, needing to self-medicate and get buzzed, and as many people that are getting lowed, as many people are smoking their pot and stuff, I mean, it's, it's a testament, really, that we were made, we were made to know the Lord. It's just a testament that we, like, need Him, Look, if you get buzzed, and we've talked about this billions of times, and I know there's some he- here for the first time, when you get buzzed, you get intoxicated, you do have a sense of comfort, it's, but it's not based on reality. You, you've been dumbed down, you've been desensitized. I mean, we've talked about this. There's also a joy, there's a different feeling you have, but it's not based on reality. It's, it, it's, it's something that's a result of being desensitized, dumbed down. There's a courage even one can have when they're buzzed, but it's not based on reality, right? On the other hand, watch, when the Holy Spirit's like that projector and he's just on the screen of our hearts and minds afresh, that God is working all things out for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that he works with my decisions, yes, and he wants me to make good ones, but... Even if I don't make really, really good decisions, he works despite that in my life, working all things out for the good. Man, that is so liberating. That is awesome. That gives me a comfort and a joy that's actually based on reality, not being dumbed or down or desensitized to reality. Can I hear another big amen to that? So guys, can can you better understand why the Lord would say this is a command because it's like um, we've had some explanation, but this is such a great command. And and, and it's something that needs to take place on a daily basis. And it's the Holy Spirit is like shining the truth of who Jesus is afresh to our hearts and minds, awakening us like sails awakening and at full strength. Now the question is, how does that take place? Because that's really the essence of this message. So, we have a few points here. How is one filled with the Holy Spirit? And the first answer is you got to believe the truth of the gospel. Really, in context, you need to embrace the first five chapters of Ephesians. Now if I were to ask every Christian here, hey, do you believe the gospel? Gospel means good news. Do you believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ? Every Christian would say absolutely. Okay, awesome. And it's true. But you know what? There's a model that is good to remind ourselves of. That we need to on a daily basis believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. It's like daily We need to lean on the promises and the truth of who the Lord is. It's good to ask, do I believe my beliefs? Am I active in trusting the Lord? I mean, today, do I believe my beliefs in Christ? Because the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And they that come to him must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said to the blind man, according to your faith let it be done unto you. Active faith is critical. Active believing is critical. It's true. So to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, how does that take place? It's a simple point, but I need to believe the truth of the gospel and as i do i'm giving room to the holy spirit which is so akin to the work of the truth of the word of god because the holy spirit has given us the truth of god's word and that's why the bible says let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord colossians 1:16. So it's like, okay, Greg, you know, how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Man, believe. Hey, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Can I hear an amen to that? That's an awesome thing. So afresh, I'm going to believe. Hey, look, I'm a king's kid. I'm going to believe in the truth of who he is. You know, we've said it billions of times, but unless the one who created us and made us reveals himself, we have no idea why we exist have no idea the purpose of our lives, but he has revealed himself. We've seen the face of the Father and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the truth of the gospel. Secondly, it's in your notes there. You you know, prayer is essential. We need to pray. I mean, prayer is really giving permission in so many ways for the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus front and center to our life. You know, I have it in the notes. It's it's like saying, Lord, I want to see Jesus and who I am in Christ in technicolor. Lord, I, I Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. We already read Ephesians 1 17 through 19. We already read it. We went back there. But clearly that verse tells us there is a connection between prayer and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They work hand in glove. So the point is, is that prayer, looking to the Lord, not only petitionally, but in praise, drawing close to him, in adoration, okay? Clearly, there is a hand-in-glove relationship to the work of the Holy Spirit in shining the truth of Jesus in my heart. You know, James 4, 2 says, we have not because we ask not. Think of that in terms of, what it says about the nature of a petition. Because when I ask for something, uh, it says a lot about me. It says a lot about what I want. It says I I, I want it. I'm open to it. I, I, I want to experience it. You know, there's an old adage, you can't steer a parked car. I mean, if someone is, you know, you got a parked car there, it's very difficult to move. It's very difficult to steer. And when you pray, you're saying, Lord, you know, Lord, I, I want you. It, it's a form of drawing near to Him. You have not because you ask not, James Penn. Charles Spurgeon said, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have. Everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. Think about it. Could it be that the Lord wants to give you something, but you don't want it? And because you don't want it, you're not in a place to even receive it. I would just say, church family, please hear this. The Bible says that the word of God does not return void. So it's like the truth of who he is. What we're talking about is his word. It's his revelation of himself. Okay, it doesn't return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which God sends it. And and, and really the purpose of knowing the truth about the Lord and, and his will in our life is to produce actually worship, communication, celebration, prayer, It's to produce relationship. So in a lot of ways, what's taking place now is super important teaching and preaching that is a way that God equips our life. But the Lord said of his house in Jerusalem, he didn't say it's a house of preaching, though it was a place of preaching and teaching and healing. It's to be a house of, can someone tell me, prayer. I mean, relationship, in other words. So at the end of, the, of today's service, I would so encourage you, go vertical in prayer. You know, it, maybe you have burdens that you're carrying. The Bible says we can come boldly to his throne. I mean, just lay it before him to obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. But listen, please hear this. If we, say, if we ask the question, how do I fill with the Holy Spirit? Belief in the gospel is critical. But there's no doubt that prayer works hand in glove with the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's the Spirit that brings the word of truth in living color into our lives, kind of technicolor. And I just think of Revelation chapter one. The great apostle John, he's in his 90s. He's been exiled to Patmos for his witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's pinning the great book of Revelation. He was the youngest of the apostles, a good Jewish boy from the north there, the Galilee. But now he's on an island, he's exiled. And it's like the Lord opens his eyes in technicolor, in 3D, if you will, and just beautiful HD to, to the fact that Jesus is the king and he's coming again And it says he falls down like before the angel, just before this very reality, like he was a dead man. Even though like he knew, of course, Jesus, he knew the truth about him, but he's like seeing him. He's seeing him in his glory, if you will. And I am convinced, the reason I mentioned that story, I'm just convinced. It's like prayer says, Lord, I want to see Jesus And I want to see who I am in Christ. Can I hear another big amen to that? All right, you guys, this is an important transition. We're going to get back to the text here. So let's go and look in verse 19. This is a very important transition, and I have it in your notes so that you're not confused by this idea. But being filled with the Holy Spirit not only produces the following, it produces, verse 19, watch, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, uh, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, watch this. So if the Holy Spirit has his room, he, he is bringing front and center Jesus and the beauty of the Father and who I am in Christ afresh, in technicolor it's like, whoa. Watch, being filled with the Holy Spirit not only produces song, expression, celebration. It's like you're watching a football game. Someone throws a touchdown, everybody's like, yeah, you know. It not only like, yes, I go vertical. Praise God, okay. And it, and, it, and it results in this melody in your intellectual life, and <laughs> in your emotional life, and, and it impacts the choices you make. I mean, it's like from the inside out. And then it results in like preferring others and yielding to others and working with, uh, with others rather than just, you know, running people down and just driven by selfishness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit not only produces these things, But I believe what he's teaching us here tells us that it is a part of the process also of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, when he says, for example, look at verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what does this tell us in principle? What does it tell us in principle on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's our third point. It's in your notes. Having relationships, actually, with other Christians where there is celebration and encouragement in Christ. And this gives us very important perspective because whether this is a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit or a part of the process to be being filled with the Spirit it involves being with other Christians in a local body of believers. So this means then that relationship with other Christians are absolutely essential to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now some of say, ah, I don't know if I even agree with that point. Well, I, I actually happen to believe that's a part of the process of be, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But even if one didn't take that position, bear with me. It is, clearly he is, it is clear that he is saying, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's actually this relationship, very dynamic relationship of celebrating Christ with other believers. And that's an outcrop of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So either way, just bear with me, okay? I don't know how someone can be being filled with the Holy Spirit if they're not with other Christians. God made us for community. Can I hear another amen to that? I mean, here's the thing. Every one of us will walk out every refreshed in Jesus this morning. It's like, I don't know how one can be filled with the Holy Spirit if they isolate themselves from community. Can't do it, okay? When that happens, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, you become vulnerable To the devil, who who roams like a lion, exploiting those who are away from the pack. Okay? So, look, I tried to boil this down, this third point. Having relationship with other Christians is critical. Where you're in a community and you are celebrating like what's on the screen, the Father, and the redemptive work of Jesus, past, present, and future, that is is a part of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, bringing Jesus afresh to our hearts. We need that on a daily basis. Can I hear an amen to that? Now break this down. Look, look when he says, speaking to one another in Psalms, what is he talking about? Well, Israel's book of worship was the Psalms. Like Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. So he's like, you know what? Celebrate who the Lord is. I mean, just take out the Psalms, worship Him. Hymns actually are addressed numerous times in the New Testament. A hymn would be addressed both to God and to Christ with a main focus upon Jesus. And you have Revelation 5 9, that's a, that's a type of hymn, verse 13, Revelation 7 10. Uh, Revelation twelve ten, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, 1 Timothy three sixteen. Pliny's f- famous letter to Trojan described Christians meeting early to sing a hymn to Christ as to God. Spiritual songs refers to songs which ju- acknowledge and praise the wonderful acts of Almighty God. So this involves not only vocalizing these truths privately but vocalizing these truths publicly in the presence of other believers as well. Like if I ask you a question if I ask you this question hey have you ever been in the attendance of a bunch of believers and they're just going vertical in a song, and the song is celebrating who the Lord is, who we are in Christ, his wonderful works. And, 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 and if I ask you, have you been blessed by that experience? Has the Lord, by his Spirit, ministered to you and refreshed you in Jesus? If I ask you that question as a every single one of you would raise your hand. You say, absolutely. Well, that is not only an outcrop of being filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> but I am convinced it's a part of the process of being filled with the Holy Spirit as well. These expressions are vertical in nature, singing to the Lord, and they're horizontal as well because you're speaking to one another, we're hearing one another. In fact, what we're doing on Sunday mornings before the message is, is basically doing verse 19. That's what it's all about. And we get to do this, it's an awesome privilege. You know, C.S. Lewis said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not only expresses but completes the enjoyment. It, it is, it's appointed consummation. In other words, you know, if you have something to celebrate, I us singing happy birthday to a child. I mean, once you start in that song, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, you know, and you name the person, you, you are singing the song, you, it's almost a consummation of the celebration of that child's life. And that is enjoyable. That is a blessing. And similarly, when we get to praise him and vocalize who he is and give thanks to him, it's, it's like, oh man, it's, in, it's, it's, just a, it's, in, it's enjoyable in and of itself. It is awesome. And ultimately, However, this is not how a lot of people actually think. You know, a survey of a thousand church attenders found that when asked the question, why does church exist? According to 89% of the respondents, the church's purpose was to take care of my families and my spiritual needs, well there's some truth to that because we need to love each other and we benefit from each other and stuff like that but, but that is a major consumer actually response that the church exists for me right no we exist to worship and serve the Lord we are here to meet with him we are here to give our heart and our time And our resources and our availability to Him. Can I hear a big amen to that? Seriously, that's what, that's why we're here. Do we benefit from that? Of course we benefit from that. But, but here's the thing. Unless I'm a giver and I'm going vertical and I'm celebrating and I'm worshiping not only with my heart and my lips and my resources and my availability and time, I, it's it's not being filled with the Holy Spirit, nor is it going to result in be being filled with the Holy Spirit. What I'm doing is actually quenching the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Number four, check this out: having your heart captured and recaptured by Christ. That's verse 19, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So being filled with the Holy Spirit not only means the following, right we've been talking about, but being filled with the Holy Spirit involves the following too. It's allowing the Lord to recapture your heart. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And number five, it it means active gratitude to the Lord. Because look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, would you agree with this? Life has a way of piling up on you. Right, it does. Circumstantially, even emotionally. Have you ever noticed that emotions have kind of a a residue, I think I mentioned this last week, but as a residual, so it's like, you know, if it's a positive emotional experience, you know, you're kind of riding it for a while. If it's a bummer experience that was traumatic, those emotions can, 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 you know, can carry into the next day, and you're thinking, well, what's wrong? Well, actually, it's a past reality, but, oh, there was a traumatic experience that I had. Let me tell you one of the best ways to break through kind of the pile up of emotional and, and, and circumstantial kind of residue that can just spin your head around and make you so uncomfortable and rip you off in so many ways. One of the best ways to kind of get through it is to stop and begin to thank God for who he is and what he's given to you. Putting gratitude in your attitude is a way <laughs> that you're giving room really to the Holy Spirit to shine the truth of who the Lord is, and, who is bl- and what his blessings are in our life. Man, that is important. We have to be intentional to do that. And you know what happens? Studies show that you'll not only be more happy, but you're gonna live longer as well. And the best part is that the Lord becomes magnified in your life. I will praise the name of God with a song and magnify him with thanksgiving. It's like, okay, the Lord's already big, but when I give him thanks, I count my blessings, he becomes big to me. When you got a big God, you got small problems. But if you got a small God, as we talked about, you got big problems. So one of the best ways to kind of get out of just the blues and get out of kind of the pile up of, circumstantial and emotional realities in your life that could be pulling you down, stop, begin to worship God, give thanks to him. And notice Paul is very specific here. Giving thanks always to the Father. Why would he say that? Because behind the Son is the Father. Behind the gospel is the Father, the heavenly Father who's reached out to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Number six, you guys, finally, preferring, yielding, and working with others. This is found in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. This is in contrast to being selfish and dominant of others. I mean, any successful relationship is going to involve submitting to one another, preferring the other person, even yielding to the other person, and even working with the other person. Any successful relationship. It's going to involve preferring, yielding, and working with others. And this means means actually at times, please hear this, we'll talk about it in depth in the months ahead. This means at times even a parent to a child, a parent at times, is going to go, I have to... You know, I'm going to have to yield here and, and, and work on a solution maybe in a little different way rather than just being dominant. And it's like just blind dominance. There's going to have to, even a parent to a child, there's some sense of flexibility. We're going to have to work this, maybe work it from a different angle. What can I learn to kind of reach the objective? I mean, if you look at the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have them preferring one another. It's a big, radical, wonderful theological reality. You you have the Holy Spirit who's, so to speak, projecting, shining the truth of the Father and Son. He's not up on the screen. He's like, he's preferring the Father and the Son. It's a beautiful reality of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working hand in glove, kind of preferring and yielding and working with each other. And when you add the idea in the fear of God, it means at least two things. One, that selfishness and dominance of others is not only self-defeating, it's like you're creating a crazy world for yourself. It's like the world according to you, and you don't want the world to revolve around you. But it undermines the well-being of others, community, family, and godly legacy. When he says, hey, hey, prefer others. You know, hey, hey, look, be willing to be contradicted. Someone else takes a different position. Hey, it's not always your way. It's like yield. Work with it. Very important. Rather than I just, it's all about me and I am going to get my way. no. No, it's like one of the great things the Lord does is he rescues us from from ourselves. (laughs) You know, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And thank God for that. And the other thing it tells us is it recognizes that there are God-ordained roles actually for our benefit personally and as a society as a whole. Now, let me tell you, verse 21 is going to segue. In a couple of weeks, we're going to get into the meaning of marriage. And so submitting to one another, preferring one another, be willing to yield, work with your spouse on this. You're one. It's this beautiful, mystical, wonderful oneness. You know, you two shall become one. Okay. Th- that the idea of submitting to one in the fear of God is actually going to carry us to recognize that there are roles within marriage, beautiful roles. And, and, And we're going to learn this in a little bit, but you know, most of the emphasis in Ephesians 5 is on the husband to love his wife even as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it and had such an influence that sanctified and protected us, and we're to have that type of influence to our spouses. Now, you talk about a steep grade there. I mean, how do I love like Jesus? It's impossible unless I have a relationship with him, and it's impossible unless I'm willing to learn and grow as a man of God. We're all still, at, and the good news, is we're all still under construction. Can I hear an amen to that, right? None of us have arrived. None of us are fully mature. We started this message by saying that this is a command. What do you think of it now? Is not the Lord awesome or what? He commands you to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say, as we wrap this up, that in a few moments, I want to encourage you to go vertical and seek the Lord and draw near to him. And ask him to afresh, fill the, the, the sails of your life, if you will. To bring that projection of Jesus afresh in dynamic and technicolor and the Father and who you are in Christ. But I want to say one, one more thing. And that is, to anyone here for the first time, I want to tell you there's another command That actually comes before this command. Before you can, this is like speaking to Christians. There's a command, it's found in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. The Lord says, Look, he has been incredibly patient with man. He's overlooked a lot of ignorance. But this is a generation in history that he commands every single human being, big, small, black, or white, to repent. He like commands you to repent, which is a great thing. You know what repentance means? Repentance means to change the way you think and embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That results in a beautiful lifestyle change, and it results in in a heavenly address that will never be taken away from you. But he command. just like I said to Greg Denham number three a couple days ago, I like commanded him. I didn't have time to explain, but it's totally coming from someone who would lay his life down for him. I love you. say, like, you got to get down. It's, like a, it's a command of love. It's a rescue. He commands you to repent. Listen, the worst thing you could do is not obey that. In fact, in the final analysis, every one of us is going to stand before the Lord. And the issue is going to be, what did you do with my son? What did you do with the Lord Jesus? I, I don't, you could be the most religious person on planet earth. I mean, you could be Nicodemus, doesn't matter. You still need to be born again. You could be a Jew, descendant of Abraham, Isaac, you got to be born again. You could be an Arab, you have to be born again. A Hispanic, you have to be born again. The president of the United States has to be born again. Congressman, woman has to be born again. Can I hear an amen to that? Everyone has to be born again. Father knows best. He won't force you to go to heaven. He won't force forgiveness on you. Look, you need to repent and receive his love. I want us to stand at this time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an invitation to anyone here who would like to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I just wanna ask all the church family to be in prayer. Please pray for those to your right, to your left, in front of you, behind you. We started this message celebrating what Jesus said to Nicodemus. And, and that was, you must be born again to not only see, but enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and I believe that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you that that's you. And it's like, it's, now is your time to embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes of the Father except to be through me. And he demonstrated that is clearly true by conquering the grave itself, resurrecting from the dead. He's alive. You say, well, Greg, um, what do I do to like, receive him? What do I do to like, take that right step and leave your knowing I'm a child of God? I'd say three things. Number one, recognize what he's done for you. He not only gave you life, but he sent his only begotten son to pay the debt of your sins before a holy God that you might know forgiveness and stand before God in wholeness. The Bible says, be holy, for I am holy, say say it the Lord. That's impossible without his love and his forgiveness. But you see, it leads to the second point, receive him. Receive, Receive the gift he wants to give you, really, that he purchased on the cross Christianity is all about receiving what Jesus has already accomplished for us. It's like he paid the debt of our sin. He paid our ticket to heaven. It's like he paid it all. The question now becomes, will I receive it? Will you this morning do that? Recognize what he's done for you, okay? Will you you repent, change the way you think, and say, okay, I'm gonna take my stand and receive Christ And then number three, as I've been mentioning, receive him. It's a gift that he wants to give you. And he really is just a prayer away. And I want you to know, you can know you're forgiven of your sins. You can know for sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. And not only that, but you can know, leaving here, that you have Christ indwelling you, beginning to experience the light that he intended you to experience in relationship with the Father. So how many of you would say, Greg, yeah. Pray for me, because I want that settled. I want to know for sure my sins are forgiven. I want to leave here knowing for sure that Christ is my Savior, my Lord, my God. That's me. I want that settled. If that's you, raise up your hand right now. And by raising up your hand, you'd be saying, yes, God bless you guys. God bless you.